Hi friends, happy holidays. Today we are re-releasing episode 11 part 2 on Kurt Cobain and Courtney Love. It is a classic, doomed to fail relationship. It was never going to work, but they were happy for a little bit. And we talk about that in the show. And we talk a little bit about what happened to Kurt and how sad every preteen in America was for, for a while. If you have any ideas or questions or things you want to tell us, please reach out. We love it. We're at doomedtofailpod at gmail.com and on all the socials at doomedtofailpod. Please enjoy this episode. In the matter of the people of the state of California versus Orenthal James Simpson, case number BA09. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. to the ever-shifting premise of the show, which should be true crime, but in my case is actually not true crime. So well, great. There we we'll go. We'll mix it up. We'll mix it up to th- this week. Oh, no. so, Episode 11, new show. Exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I started out researching... Uh, I was going to do Michael Alec. Do you know who that is? No. I yeah, won't look so, it up, so you can do it later. Or tell me. Or yeah, no, no I'll, I'll just tell you. I, I don't think I'm going to do it now, but I, I started doing that because... So, Michael Alec is part of the club kid scene that was part of this New York club. You, you recognize this, I take it, from your Is face. it Macaulay Culkin in the Monster Party movie? Monster. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's, it's Party Monster is the dramatized version of Michael Alec. The only really famous one that people would recognize now is RuPaul was part of them, um, and Michael Alec ended up killing somebody, and going to jail for a long time he got released and he died actually recently um but really? whatever i have I, um i have been to limelight that club what's it like it's it was cool i mean i think it's closed i mean I think it closed a long time ago but um it's in a it's in an old church which is cool you know yeah i think our former employer threw a party there actually for a book release oh, maybe. yeah um so i started i started watching party monster this week because i was like i'm gonna do michael alec and so i should probably reference the movie and in the movie Marilyn Manson's in it and he he basically plays Courtney Love is the only way I can describe it just like this like totally insane druggy junkie whatever and mm-hmm. I was like you know what I got a better idea for this week so again the story this week is not gonna be true crime in nature but it's gonna definitely hit on the red flaggy parts of the show's premise mm-hmm. so I've already given enough to indicate what I'm going to be talking about, but I'm still going to pretend like I haven't and just read the outline. Perfect. (laughs) So um, I'll start by saying that this is a rock and roll story, obviously. And because there's, it's a rock and roll story, there's going to be a lot of legacy building. And so because of that, people are going to have a ton of feelings and passion about like what I'm going to be discussing here today. But because there's a lot of legacy building, there's a lot of conflicting stories out there in terms of when Mm -hmm. things happened who was there when it happened. Everybody wants to be a part of the story, which is, I think, a common human phenomenon when certain famous people pass. Outside of, like, pure facts, there's a bit of speculation here. And by pure facts, I mean location, manner, time of death, things like that. Things that can be, like, scientifically proven by objective third parties. Outside of that, it's, like, a lot of just junkies telling stories to each other, basically. You're you're a rock and roll guy, so I feel like you're the the guy to tell this story. Am I a rock and roll guy? No, I'm just kidding. Thank you. So obviously, today we're talking grunge, which means we're talking Nirvana and Kurt Cobain and Courtney Love, which Ooh. is like one of the most 
probably red flaggy relationships that's ever existed in human history when nirvana was at its peak and kurt ultimately died i was not of an age where i cared about these things like i think he died when i was around nine years old so i was i was, I don't know i was doing what nine-year-olds do i don't know exactly what that would be probably like you know caring about dinosaurs power rangers things like that not hardcore yeah. grunge rock my brother was though my brother would have been 14 so i remember going to whatever store probably virgin virgin stores and like him buying the uh nevermind album, mm-hmm. album cd and like the one was like in like the tall cd boxes yeah um, yeah i remember my mom asking the guy at the store like what's nirvana and he was like it's something that happens when you get like your tooth pulled or something he just like, said something weird to her <laughs> <laughs> was he trying to be funny i think so i think so oh uh, i guess yeah i guess they gas you so yeah so at that time i'd never really like i didn't understand the ramification of this i was just not of that not of that age group but it's weird i got so much more exposure to it and you ex- accidentally got some exposure to it as well so kurt was raised in aberdeen which oh, I've, yes. yeah i've been through there because my my ex's father's family was from hoquiam and so we'd go there and visit quite a bit and because you came to my wedding you've also been through aberdeen taylor i think i have and i remember being there and being like this place is so fucking depressing i can absolutely see why you would create grunge music here yeah like that's yeah i actually put down here i'm like i doubt any of your stroll through aberdeen was actually memorable but it sounds like it was because it is exactly what you described it as i knew i knew where i was you know i think i was like you know it was like trailer parks and yeah yeah wet rained it rains there yeah yeah it's a so it's on a it's on a bay it had to be because it was actually a logging town so ships would come in collect the timber and then put them on boats and go wherever they're going so it's no coincidence that in the late 80s and early 90s exactly when kurt's coming up logging had become a much less viable industry in the area simply because they tapped that resource completely there there was nothing left to mine for there essentially so the town Mm -hmm. geographically is lovely because it is on this bay it is the pacific northwest it's lush it's green look olympic olympic national forest is like maybe 20 minutes from from here Mm -hmm. i mean i I, you know and that is one of the most beautiful tranquil places that exists in the united states and Aberdeen's like right outside of that. But mm-hmm. given the fact that they tapped this mining resource completely, this uh, timber resource completely, it would, the area is just economically depressed. Like to your point, it's mm-hmm. just like a blown out town. Like it just, mm-hmm. you know, I, when, I, when I would be there, I didn't want to like talk badly about it, obviously. Yeah. Because of like family connections. But I was, yeah, I just, I was like, everybody here has to be doing meth. Like, you you look at that town and you're like of course everybody here's on drugs like what else yes. is there to do there's nothing exactly. else here yeah so that's where kurt was raised so w- w- one thing that i actually found really really lovely about aberdeen despite everything i literally just said about it is that <laughs> one of my favorite nirvana songs like everybody's favorite nirvana songs is come as you are and mm-hmm. there's a welcome sign when you get into aberdeen that says welcome to aberdeen come as you are which i oh, thought was really, really lovely that is very sweet so going back to the main character, Kurt was born in 1967, and I would describe his childhood as accurately reflected in his music. Not that he wrote about his childhood at all, but then but when I think about Nirvana, I think of teenage angst, really. Like, it's mm-hmm. just angsty music. That was what it sounds like his childhood was. 
his parents were divorced. He was a mad kid. He was aimless. The parents remarried. The step parents sucked. There's domestic violence mm-hmm. and there's substance abuse. It sounds like the divorce was a huge triggering factor for him. Like he mm-hmm. talks about it over and over and over again in later later in his life. Like he thought he had this idyllic family or he would have this idyllic family. And that divorce really seemed to have been like the thing that put him in this head, the mind space of just being like an angsty teenager. Mm-hmm. Essentially. So all the factors basically existed that would produce a guy like Kurt would eventually become. Some mm-hmm. of the stories I read about him seem like just great indicators of his eventual personality. His parents would sign him up for Little League and he would intentionally strike out so he just wouldn't have to play. He, w- he was apparently like a pretty good wrestler and mm-hmm. he hated it. He hated being good at wrestling. He just wanted to like rebel against everything. Yeah, totally. And when he was in high school, he befriended like the gay kid in school because when everyone thought he was gay, they would leave him alone because they didn't want to I mean, you remember what that was like back when we were in, in yeah. school. Like, that was a whole thing. He would spray paint God is gay on cars. Like, he was just, <laughs> yeah, he was just, like, very anti-establishment. Mm-hmm. I found this picture of him when he was 14. He was in some school band. And the other kids around him, he's, like, sitting on these risers. And these other kids are so happy and they're having fun. And they're just like, yeah, mm-hmm. the kids are having a good time. He looks like he wants to strangle the drum that is in front of him. Like he hates it <laughs> so much because it's just anything that has to do with normalcy. Yeah. Him. It seemed like at least. Yeah. So he'd eventually drop out of school and live this like vagabond lifestyle, just sleeping on friends' couches. He started doing his own myth building, saying he like slept under this bridge. Everybody said you couldn't sleep under that bridge because the water would just keep coming and it would just wash you away. Mm-hmm. He was occasionally homeless. He would. Yeah, he would meet girls and just shack up with them for a while. And it sounds like he mostly just carried on these relationships for the sake of having a place to stay. Mm -hmm. Um, And then these women telling him to, like, get a job and he just would refuse to do so. He forms one band early on called The Fecal Matter, which was very Mm short-lived. And then he went on to form Nirvana in 1987. One of the things I learned here had to do with Dave Grohl, who... I didn't know this, but he was not the original drummer of Nirvana. He wasn't? Who was? So it's this guy named Chad Channing. Mm -hmm. So their first album ever released. So the big big one was Nevermind. But the first album was called Bleach. And that was recorded Mm -hmm. with a drummer named Chad Channing. Mm -hmm. And I really hate what happened to this guy. Because, yeah, band people move around and people get fired all the time. But he was so briefly tied to one of the most influential bands in the world. And at that time, he wouldn't obviously know that. Mm -hmm. And now really nobody knows who he is. Like you literally just asked me like, who is he? Everybody knows Dave Grohl, but nobody knows Chad. Mm -hmm. There wasn't there like a Beatle too, like a guy who was in the Beatles that got left before they became famous. I don't know that. It's like that always happens. There's definitely a guy, a guy who was supposed to be in BTS and then like got kicked out at the very end. And he was like, He's like now he's just like a regular guy, and he's like I miss my friends, <laughs> but like Do, would they're you, superstars. Yeah, like it's got a it's got a. Well, I mean, I don't know how BTS's history. Maybe they he knew it was gonna be really big at that time, but like in this case, like nobody knew Nirvana was gonna yeah. be what it is. It's like you missed out. You missed that show. Mm-hmm. A- apparently, in 2013, Nirvana that was the year Nirvana got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. This guy Chad thought he would be in that group, but apparently they only included Kurt, the guitarist, this guy named Chris and dave gruel and like listen i i actually like i'm gonna go into a little bit of a rant about dave gruel here i, I love him 
so much and he's even cooler than i thought he made a point to shout out dave in 2013 for his contribution to nirvana and to bleach he like referenced how he wrote some of the later riffs that they used and he mm-hmm. really wanted to make sure that people knew that this guy was a part of the band even though he wasn't called out in the rock and roll hall of fame so mm-hmm. my side note about dave Grohl. so obviously he went on to found Foo Fighters, which became a phenomenally successful band in its own right. He apparently is also a pit master these days and regularly feeds the homeless of LA with his barbecue. I saw a picture of him doing that recently. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, He did did that recently, but he does it regularly. Apparently. I also watched an interview he did with Howard Stern and I wanted to reach through my monitor and punch Howard Stern for just how shitty he is to Dave Grohl. Like he, Dave Grohl handled this with such class, but at one point, because to us, Kurt Cobain is just like this, what, like, who, like, he killed himself. Like, it is what it is, right? Like, we don't, like, mm-hmm. I, have no, I have no emotional attachment to the guy. But Dave Grohl was, like, his childhood friend and, like, bandmate. Yeah. And, like, they traveled the world together. And, like, like they were very, very closely tied. And Howard Stern would just say stuff about Kurt's death in just, just like, flippant manner to Dave Grohl that was just really, really offering. Yes. Like, he was like... He was like, oh, so wasn't it kind of great that he killed himself because it gave you this opportunity to move on and do Foo Fighters? It was just like... You're... No, da- he's my friend. Yeah, oh. like, Dave just was like, um, no, that's not a good thing. Like, you know, he just handled it very class in a classy way, which was really cool to see. So, anyways, side rant about Dave Grohl. So, in 1991, that was, like I said before, that was kind of their breakout year. That was the year that they released Nevermind. And I didn't know this, but apparently Nirvana pushing Seattle grunge is partially the reason why bands like Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains rose in popularity as well. Like They invented this genre, and then everybody's mm-hmm. like addicted to it now. Mm-hmm. So Kurt, by extension, basically becomes the ambassador of this genre that also happens to be the most popular genre of music at the time. It sounds like he would hate that. Okay, exactly. So so I, I put this down. Think about this in modern terms. I don't actually know who this guy is now. I wrote down maybe it's Drake, maybe it's Justin Bieber, maybe it's Beyonce. I don't really know. Like, is it, who who is it? You, do you know? I mean, I don't know. I can't think of anyone who, like, started a new genre of music. I mean, I don't know if I'm about music, but, like, I feel like there's people who are really popular, but, like, all the people you just named, they're pop stars, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. I don't know. Like I haven't, I don't know, I don't know anything new, but I'm also not like in the know. But but grunge was like new. So this is even bigger than that, then. So it's even bigger than like a Drake, because yeah. it's yeah, it's all new. So imagine cool. that. So imagine like imagine a guy like Kurt who wants to rebel against everything establishment, mm-hmm. and now he is this figurehead in corporate like, America. Love it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm to actually get into this, like, a lot when I get to, like, the suicide note. But, like, he does not handle this well in his own mm-hmm. mind. I will say that if Kurt didn't have this self-destruct component to him, he actually would have been the exact right guy for this. I watched an interview with him, and his lack of caring about anything is so quintessentially rock star-ish. You, mm-hmm. should, see, you should watch, like, I mean... Even like the way he pres- you watch like rock stars now, and like mm-hmm. I think like like I don't really know rock stars. Whatever, like is Bono a rock star? Sure, I mean he's like really old, but yes. Sure, like but even like younger Bono, like you look at like how he presents himself. You look at how Kurt presents himself. Doesn't give a fuck. Like he's wearing yeah. like 
shoes that the soles are falling off of his jeans are just shredded and tattered like not because he's trying to look cool he literally just does not care his bandmates had reported this is this this is like a self-reflection on how little he cares his bandmates had reported that the melody mattered way more to kurt than the lyrics so he'd always come up with the melody and then attach lyrics to it so it's funny because people would dissect every word he said and in one interview in one interview someone asked if it's hard coming up with ideas and he goes this is a quote he goes at one point i was just using poetry and just like garbage that would spew out of me and a lot of times when i write lyrics it's in the last minute because i'm really lazy and then i find myself having to come up with an explanation for it like he just didn't care like he was just like okay i guess this fits that lyric or the, the that melody but I think I think like I feel like your original question was like how his personality, a different personality, like would have like enjoyed the fame, but then I feel like then the music would have been different. Like you couldn't yeah, yeah, have been yeah, a different person. Yeah, you can't have one with the other. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. So Kurt was quoted as saying, When you're in the public eye, okay, he's he he's a little bit melodramatic. He's a little bit melodramatic. I think we could agree on that. We can agree on that. So yeah. he, this is a quote. When you're in the public eye, you have no choice but to get raped over and over again. They'll take every ounce of blood out of you until you're exhausted. I'm looking forward to the future. It will only be another year, and then everyone will have forget, forgotten about it. He's re- talking about Nevermind at this point. Mm. Mm-hmm. How wrong was that timeline? <laughs> no, I know. That's hilarious. Yeah, I've, I've, I actually now have two versions of smells like smell like teen, teen spirit on my spotify playlist it's the original and then i have this other one that like it's a revamped like alt rock version of it it's just it sounds fantastic i've definitely um, gone through phases where i just like listened to nevermind over and over again yeah <laughs> like, well yeah 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 of course I, I actually went down a pretty deep music rabbit hole researching this especially because we know a lot about the bands that influenced kurt in particular so like like the the melvins if you've never heard of them like that's basically where like the guitar influence kind of comes from mm-hmm. the pixies is where that kind of disjointed lyrics the mm-hmm. hear in nirvana songs come from sex pistols that's a lot of that anti-establishment stuff that like mm-hmm. he was a he was a musical connoisseur like he his music taste was fantastic i, I actually mm-hmm. like started I'll, I'll send you a list of these bands that i listened to as i was yeah. going through researching this it goes without saying the mel- melodrama piece of it he just never thought that anybody was actually hardcore enough he actually resented his fans in some ways like he thought that if you liked nirvana for the music then you had to also like it for the social and political message which is just very anti-establishment anti-fitting in and mm-hmm. he would he's watching kids wearing polos and attending church listen to nirvana and that just like I think that's a big part of why he um, basically turned into what he turned into. All this kind of gets us to who he is, his general state of mind, and why things are going to eventually derail. So on the one hand, you have Kurt, who has become basically music royalty, who at his core is basically just this lost kid with a ton of animosity towards being popular. And on the other hand, you have the other main character of our story, which is Courtney Love. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is the doom to fail piece of this. So Courtney has always been portrayed as kind of an afterthought to the story of Kurt and Courtney, except to the extent that she's demonized and villainized in it. Mm-hmm. Like everybody thinks that Courtney's essentially like this hanger on. And I'm kind of going to do a bit of like revisionism on her history as well, mostly because Kurt is the main character of the story. And if I went into Courtney's life and the details of what she did, this would just drag on for like 12 hours. 
because she's done a lot. She's done a ton of stuff. She's not mm-hmm. just Kurt's wife. She she had her own trauma growing up. She had her mm-hmm. own impactful musical um, career and and all the stuff that she did with that. By some accounts, she was more famous than Kurt when they initially met. Yeah, Hole is really good. Hole's great. I listened to Hole too. That, that's yeah. Your playlist. Yeah. Did you uh, have you ever seen Two Hundred Cigarettes? No. It's it's like a very nineties movie about a new year's eve party and she's in it and she's great she's great like the the hustler movie she was in i don't remember the name of it but that that, she was great in that too like she's great in a lot of stuff she does Mm -hmm. so yeah there's there's some debate on when they met some say it was before nevermind's release some say it was after nevermind's release but like if it was before then corny was definitely more famous than kurt was Mm because bleach wasn't a big album by all Mm -hmm. accounts Uh, yeah and i wrote here yeah her music's fantastic and there's a lot of stuff that i learned about like according that i didn't know so if you do if you remember like my apartment back in la in in hollywood which was like i I guess it was relatively close to where you you guys lived back then but i was right Mm -hmm. down the street from jumbo's clown room and so she used to work Mm -hmm. at jumbo's clown room like that was one of her first things that she did while she was trying to get whole up and running it's very cool so However they met, they got married in 1992. They got married in Hawaii. And, like, I actually at this point don't even know if Kurt, Kurt was stoned out of his mind or if he was actually genuinely happy. He looked really happy in the pictures, though. I feel like I can picture those. Let me find them. Yeah. It was it was weirdly like a, like a cute wedding for two incredibly grungy people. Mm-hmm. Oh, he does look very happy. Yeah. So it's worth noting that Kurt was in chronic pain for most of his life due to some stomach mm-hmm. issues he had. There's some conflict. Again, like there's no facts here. Like there's some conflict about he tells people he's in chronic pain to justify his heroin use, or was he in chronic pain and that's why he started using heroin? Like we don't know. It's up in wait. The did end. you did you hear like the stuff that like it was because he played his guitar with the wrong hand? No. So I feel like okay, this might be totally wrong, but I feel like I saw something that the way that he held his guitar was like not the natural way that someone should hold their guitar and this and especially with like his like dexterity like he should have done with the other hand but because of that he was like putting weird pressure on his stomach and that was like part of the problem he was having oh well that yeah that could be that could be a component of this for sure yeah so we don't know we don't know if we if one came before the other but we do know obviously that kurt dabbled in a lot of drugs and alcohol he was not a stickler about the drugs that he used. He basically used everything. Like, whatever was there and available at the time, he would use. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to get into a lot of his ODs. And, like, some of his ODs. A lot of his ODs. Jesus. Yeah. So, some of his ODs didn't even involve heroin. He would just find whatever he could find just take it. He's numb. Like, totally mm-hmm. wanted to numb himself out. He would start using heroin in particular off and on starting in 1986, which I think is the year he formed Nirvana, if I remember what I said correctly earlier. Mm-hmm. So of all the drugs out there, it seemed like heroin is the last one you'd want to like be using and still be functional on. I've obviously never done it, but I read up a ton on what just opiates in general do. And it seems like it mostly just numbs you to everything. Some symptoms of opiate intoxication are nodding off suddenly. It slows down your breathing. There's itching, tremor, slurred speech, impaired coordination, clouded thinking, disorientation, impaired memory. Basically... All the things that are counterproductive to maintaining mm-hmm. a career in a family life. I mean, look, obviously, I feel like it just goes without saying. I'm just harping on this a little bit too much. But Kurt was like an incredibly reckless user because I literally just stayed. I'm going to get into his ODs and I use plural in that. It almost felt like he knew that his story arc would be more romantic if he died tragically, which is like yeah. contributed to his heroin usage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, like this is the part where I, I 
stand up for Courtney Love, which I don't know how many people have said that before in the history. Courtney really tried to keep him somewhat on the straight and narrow, which mm-hmm. like, she's a tragic character in her own right. Like she would also be doing heroin with him and also be doing mm-hmm. all kinds of different drugs. And there's like a whole history of her. She got her, Francis Bean got taken away from them because mm-hmm. she said in a, Van, a Vanity Fair article that she done did heroin when she was pregnant with like she's not like yeah. a she's not like a terribly sympathetic character, but in the context of these two, she actually did try. Mm-hmm. So she was kind of by the time Nevermind came out and he blew up and became who he became, she almost became like his manager. And whenever he'd have to go places and she wasn't with him, she would always tell drivers that they were not allowed to detour anywhere because oftentimes he would detour and go to a drug dealer and go buy heroin. Yeah. I think part of the public perception of her was kind of rooted in this thing where Kurt is like this free spirited dude, just woo woo, whatever. And Mm -hmm. she's like a taskmaster, but she's not really like, all she's trying to do is make sure her husband doesn't just like die on the road. Yeah. And, and like, yeah, the stories I was reading was like, he really, he, he actually really, really did love her. Like when he would disappoint her, he would just turn to this like sheepish child. And when people mm-hmm. saw that, they were like, oh, she's being mean to Kurt. And it's like, no, he's just like, feels bad that he disappointed his wife in that moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I read one story in the New Yorker, which was an article by Michael Azarad called My Time with Kurt Cobain. And Michael actually wrote a biography with Kurt and became pretty close to him throughout his life to the point where Kurt would ask him to attend business meetings with him just so he wasn't surrounded by business people alone. Mm-hmm. And at one of these meetings, he talks about how Kurt got up to go to the bathroom. He thought Kurt had probably just left because he just took so long to come back. And Kurt came back and was obviously just high as shit on heroin. Mm-hmm. And everybody just kind of ignored it because he's with these business people and like, who cares like he's a genius let him do his genius thing which is like let him get fucked up as much as he wants we're gonna make money off him anyways apparently michael walks him back to the hotel that he's staying at with courtney and again like courtney's just like disappointed in him mm-hmm. and that night he ods <laughs> and they have a baby yeah at this point yeah, yeah at this point they have francis bean so like again think about this from courtney's perspective like you're raising a child you're trying to manage this insane career that you have on your own that your husband has and also this guy just constantly out of his mind doing heroin mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. in my opinion courtney's the one who's like she's the one who got fucked in this situation yeah. more than mm-hmm. kurt did Kurt's drug use accelerates um quite a bit and at this point so i i counted three ods at this point um where courtney herself had to be the one to inject him with narcan to bring him back oh god yeah so there was a tour stop, which is apparently the last one they did. This was in Munich. And Kurt gets actually sick from bronchitis and laryngitis. So he goes to Rome to pursue medical treatment. And Courtney meets up with him there. This is March 3rd that Courtney meets him in Rome for medical treatment. March 4th, mm-hmm. he ODs again. And this OD actually wasn't heroin. He, he, from what I recall, I didn't write this down. But from what I recall, it was like it was alcohol and um and rohypnol that he ods on at this what? time yeah yeah I, I don't know what? why that That's is crazy. but yeah i would assume as an addict you just get whatever you can get right yeah he's just trying to numb everything i mean yeah you're right yeah i wrote down this just obviously keeps happening a lot so later on courtney would again we don't know the facts later on courtney stated that this was a suicide attempt we don't know mm-hmm because earlier on they said it's just an od because part of this is also couching as like he's a genius like geniuses do heroin <laughs> like right. this is normal 
totally so, that's so dumb yeah so to then they're like it's better if we just say that he od'd on heroin than that we say he took rohypnol and alcohol to try and kill himself basically mm -hmm. yeah so after this incident courtney the bandmates friends they all staged an intervention this is on march 25th of 1994 kurt loses his mind because he is the guy like he's who are you to tell me what to, to do mm -hmm. like i'm the, i'm kurt cobain eventually he agrees to go to rehab he went to a rehab clinic on March 30th. So five days after this intervention, he goes to the rehab clinic. He lasts three days before he scales the fence, takes a cab to LAX and flies back to Seattle. At this point, nobody knows where Kurt is. So mm -hmm. Courtney ends up hiring a private investigator around April 3rd to try and find him again. He just disappears. Again, we publicly demonize her, but look at what this woman had to do. She had no, totally. a investigator. To find so her husband, who's like abandoning his family to do drugs yeah, yeah yeah so on april 8th an electrician came to kurt and courtney's house to install a security system and at that point that is when they discover kurt's body he's the one who finds the body he mm -hmm. shot himself under the neck under the chin and he left a suicide note he was also not surprisingly super super high on heroin when they did the autopsy there is some debate as to whether he would have died anyways because of the heroin mm. i learned so much about heroin researching this so the reason it is debated is because we don't know if the amount of heroin in the system that they measured was called free morphine or whether it was mm. total morphine free morphine is what you inject at that time total mm. morphine is what is in your system always because you're a habitual user oh yeah, if the amount they found in his system was free morphine, then yeah, he would have OD'd. He would have died anyways. Whether he would have shot himself or not, he would have died. Mm -hmm. If not, then probably not. He, the gunshots would, would have had to have taken him out. During the autopsy, it is assumed that he died on April 5th. So again, he flees the uh, place, whatever, the recovery place on the 3rd, gets to Seattle. He sneaks up into this greenhouse that is a two-story greenhouse, apparently. And he just kind of chills there doing drugs and whatever he's doing at that time. Mm -hmm. Nobody finds him. Like, apparently there's a bunch of people coming in and out of the house, but nobody finds him because I looked at pictures of the house. The greenhouse was separate from the main house. Mm -hmm. And they're all junkies. And they're all, nobody's yeah. going to plant flowers. I've time. seen that. I've seen that too. And like, yeah, like, I think like, didn't like the private investigator missed it too. Like he didn't even see the house, yeah. the greenhouse. Yeah. Yeah. If you want, because I know you want to Zillow everything, Taylor. The house is 171. Ooh lake washington boulevard in seattle this estimate is 7.8 million dollars which given the fact that his guitar alone sold for six million dollars that's a bargain yeah oh it's nice oh, it has a nice view of like some water it's weird i actually don't find the house creepy even though somebody died in it it does have a it's a has this well on the zillow picture it has like a smidge of like Amityville lights, you know, that is, is fun. Um, it's huge, 8,000 square feet. Yeah, it's huge. Holy yeah, shit, yeah. there's only four bedrooms. I feel like there should be more bedrooms. You don't find it creepy, do you? Mm. Like, when I think about the Tote family and like moving, living in that house, that scares me. But living like yeah. the house Kurt Cobain killed himself, and that actually doesn't scare me. No, not really. And wait, when did he die? This one in 94. So, when in 94? April, uh, they, they think it's April 5th, which I really should have waited three weeks to do this episode and it would have been on his anniversary and I totally botched it. Boo. Um, so he bought it in, I love Zillow. God bless Zillow. Um, they bought it in 
in January 1994 for $1.4 million. Yeah. And then they sold it. She sold it in 1997 for 2.8. And then it sold in 2020 for seven. Yeah. Cool. Continue. Okay. Um, now your, your Zillow sleuthing is unrivaled. Fucking love Zillow. I just want, I want to know everything. It's, it's worth noting that there were other moments that were building up to this again, going back to Courtney's life being a living hell. So the gun Kurt used actually wasn't his own because his guns had been confiscated multiple times by the police because there were multiple reports of Courtney calling the cops saying Kurt has locked himself in a bathroom high as shit on heroin with a loaded gun and threatening to kill himself. So this is reported. good on the cops. Yeah, they yeah. show up be like, okay, we'll just we're just gonna go ahead and take your guns away from you. Um, but yeah, what a living hell. So on the conspiracy side of this, there's a ton of conspiracies surrounding Kurt's death. Most of them revolve around Courtney having killed Kurt, which these people are generally pretty awful. Mm-hmm. So the people who are saying this stuff for the most part are at best tangentially connected to Kurt and Courtney. They're basically mm-hmm. just like these hangers on and losers. So this includes the private investigator who Courtney initially hired to find Kurt. He also yeah. said Courtney must have killed him, which is like, what a loser. Like, you dr- you want like there were two famous. documentaries that came out at the same time about this in yeah there's a ton. long time ago there's yeah. so many documentaries about this i watched one of them last night actually uh, also courtney's father came out saying that courtney probably killed kurt like how the fuck do you what know yeah, yeah. I, I wrote i wrote this down because apparently during the divorce her, courtney's divorce proceeding or during courtney's parents divorce proceeding th- there were several people that came out and testified that her dad the one who said that she killed Kurt also used to dose her with LSD when she was a toddler. <gasps> Ew. Yeah. Like there was a ton of other allegations against him. No matter what, he had full custody revoked for ever like seeing her when she was a, when she was a kid. So th- yeah, I was trying to like be in the news. Like, yeah, like I'm, I'm relevant. I'm important. I know Courtney love. Yeah. I'm her dad. I should probably talk about the suicide uh, note for, for a bit. So it's, it's kind of long. Um, it's at least, it's at least a full page in length, maybe a little bit longer than that. And it starts out really just talking about his career, about how he knows he should be enjoying this more than he really is. He references mm-hmm. Freddie Mercury in it, and he says that he really paid attention to how much Freddie Mercury enjoyed, like, the adoration of crowds. And he was like, I wish I could be like him and, like, enjoy mm-hmm. it the way he enjoys it. Mm-hmm. So he has the wherewithal to be really self-reflective in this moment, despite probably at this point being super, super high. Um, and he is un- he totally understands the nature of what he's doing and what like what he's leaving behind by doing this. I'll read a little bit of the. I mean, this this sounds like it's going to be a lot, but this is actually a really small subset of the suicide mm-hmm. note itself. So this is a this is I'm quoting this exactly. Mm-hmm. There's good in all of us, and I think I simply love people too much, so much that it makes me feel too fucking sad. The sad, little, sensitive, unappreciated Pisces. Jesus, man. Why don't you just enjoy it? I don't know. I have a goddess of a wife who sweats ambition and empathy and a daughter who reminds me too much of what I used to be, full of love and joy. And that terrifies me to the point where I can barely function. I can't stand the thought of Francis becoming the miserable, self-destructive death rocker that I've become. I have it good, very good, and I'm grateful. But since the age of seven, I become rese- I become hateful towards all humans in general, only because it seems so easy for people to get along that have empathy, only because I love and feel sorry for people too much, I guess. Thank you all for the from the pit of my burning, nauseous stomach for your letters and concerns during the past years. 
I'm too much of an erratic, moody baby. I don't have the passion anymore. And so remember, it's better to burn out than to fade out. Peace, love, empathy. Kurt Cobain, Francis and Courtney, I'll be at your altar. Please keep Courtney. Sorry, please keep going, Courtney, for Francis, for her life, which will be so much happier without me. I love you. I love you. I think you could have used some therapy and some other kinds of drugs. Yeah. He's depressed. He's antidepressants. Yeah. And yeah. I wonder I wonder like what would have happened if he like didn't do that. Like who he'd be right now. Because mm -hmm. I look at like Dave Grohl, like they're so different. Like Dave Grohl and Chris Novelchuk, like they were not junkies at all. Like they like I mean, they, yeah. they never did drugs. Like they, they they did not go down that path. And you look at them now and you're like, they're just like groovy fifty year old people, like doing cool shit, feeding the homeless. Like, I don't know. I don't know what would have happened to Kurt, but um how did, well how did Taylor Hawkins die? Who's he Taylor died drugs? Hawkins? Um, he did. So Taylor Hawkins was, was the drummer of the Foo Fighters. He just died. He died last year, about a year ago, and he died of a drug overdose. Really? And his, he died in Colombia while they were on tour, I think. And it says that his toxicology so that he had um, opioids, antidepressants, THC, like a bunch of drugs in his system. Jeez. Something about that lifestyle. Um, so, yeah, I, I wrote down that line better to burn out than to fade out i i really want to just if, if i have the wherewithal i'm going to scream that from my deathbed but it's such a good <laughs> line so legacy wise look like he basically died rock and roll royalty um he's now part of this 27 club which we all know what that is mm -hmm. um i mean look he's on that list with joplin morrison and hendrix like that's the caliber Weird. of person that he he became and amy mm -hmm. winehouse died at 27 too I, I forgot about that that's crazy yeah corny would go on she created more music, more movies. She never remarried. Um, there's some, like, she kind of seemed like she kept being, like, kind of a junkie in a lot of ways. But, again, I'm not going to fault her. She's going through a lot of shit and a lot of trauma. Francis inherited a huge chunk of Kurt's estate and now owns the rights to his name and images. Um, nice. Yeah, she is, like, she's loaded. Like, Kurt's estate, like, his likeness is worth so much money. I forgot what the exact mm -hmm. number was, but it was somewhere in like the $400 million range is like what that value of like just having access, having the licensing rights to that is what mm -hmm. the estimates are worth. She married a musician that everybody compared to Kurt in 2014. They divorced and now she's basically just living her life doing her thing. Um, she looks exactly like Kurt and Courtney's child. <laughs> like, it's exactly. amazing. She's so pretty. Yeah, no, she looks exactly like both of them. Yeah. But wait, I have a question. You sure. don't think it's weird the way that the gun was and how he could have killed himself? Because I know that's part of the conspiracy is like he would have had to like, like it was like a rifle under his chin. Yeah, yeah, he would have had to pull it with like his thumb or something like, or his foot. Like, yeah, I've I've heard those um, rumors too. My my thing is, I'm just thinking about it like from a human nature perspective. He's like the biggest thing. He's like the biggest artist biggest like celebrity in the world like if somebody had done that wouldn't we have figured that out like that's fair we have courtney actually and also you read the suicide note there's nothing suspicious about the suicide note like i mean people have mm -hmm. claimed that maybe that's not his handwriting but it was and yeah he definitely states that like i'm doing that. like it doesn't it's not ambiguous as maybe not a suicide note and also mm -hmm. he would have probably died anyways because of the heroin overdose yeah i mean he was probably with like whatever he said like the the morphine that was like in his body kind of like permanently he was probably like rehab was probably physically fucking terrible because he probably was like doing a bunch of like withdrawals 
draws and stuff you know i can't even believe you made three days that's insane yeah that's so terrible um so that's them and like i said i kind of framed this as courtney was the one that kind of got the rough end of this because yeah curse the bigger celebrity and we all loved kurt and then yeah and then people are like mad at her when she was just like trying to keep her family together and then also yeah aren't there like terrible pictures of her like holding francis and crying outside their house and stuff yeah. that like and like people like wouldn't leave her alone and and all of that so yeah that's awful yeah so that's rock stars man yeah just god like so much heroin like i just wall like i i cut out so much of this story <laughs> because I, I literally just would have said heroin 500 more times yeah um so yeah that's why we had coffee so yeah that's fair Seattle story but yeah that's my story and now I'm gonna once I wrap this up go look at tulips at Home Depot nice we're gonna listen to some Nirvana at the Airbnb I'm staying at the fridge plays music it's like has a whole screen on it so I'm going to I'll maybe I'll put some Nirvana on it it's been playing Pitbull I'll put Nirvana on. Mr. Worldwide it's 305. Mm -hmm. um, I watched, uh, so HBO, if you have HBO Max, they have a, uh, a great documentary about uh, Kurt and, uh, Nirvana in general, but specifically Kurt and Courtney, um, called the uh, Montage of Heck, which is Ooh. like a lot of just live footage of recordings of them just hanging out together. And I mean, it is grungy. <laughs> it's yeah. Grungy. Um, yeah. Some of it's hard to watch, but it's it gives you really good um, insight into like their lives. But anyways. Totally. So, what a time. Yeah, what a time. What a time. Crazy. Um, Shout out to everyone who, all those grunge girls who were all black for like a year afterwards. Seriously. To, it's still Let's hot. Start. It's still hot. I don't think like, I still, I'm still drawn to that, but. um. <laughs> no. Yeah. Oh yeah. Nothing's wrong with that. But yeah, they did it specifically because Kurt Cobain died and they were so sad. <laughs> I was in this one podcast where this guy was talking about, where they were talking about his death and they're like, he was like, yeah, I wasn't into this music. I didn't really know. But then later I became, when I was like a, late teenager i got into his music and for one day i wore a black band around my like around my arm <laughs> to because i was so like distraught over his death he died like even though it already years, happened yeah he, like, yeah he died like 10 years earlier and and everyone's like i don't understand did like a firefighter die or like why, why are you wearing this black band <laughs> i think um, i just remembered yeah. that's fair we can still you can still like discover the music and be sad about it yeah, yeah. you know yeah um, do you want to call out, do you want to be the one that calls out, please rate and review us? Yeah. So thanks everyone for sticking through this episode. I feel like I, that I learned a lot about, about rock and roll relationships. Um, hopefully my tulip story makes sense in the context of whatever we're building here, but thank you everyone. Please continue to rate us on Apple podcasts. Um, thank you everyone who's left, um, left a review. Um, even if you don't listen to podcasts, just please just like, like subscribe on something that everything's free. Um, we also just went on YouTube. I am uploading our episodes. They're not like actual videos yet. It's just like our logo and then our voices. But if that's how you listen, we're there now too. And, and um, we're everywhere on Facebook and Instagram at Doom to Fail Pod. And that's our email address, Doom to Fail at Gmail. Pod. Very well said. But whatever. Um, send us a message. Sweet. Awesome. Thank you. I will go ahead and wrap up then. Thank you, Taylor. Thanks, Fars. Recording is. Started.